Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Hello, I'm David Marsland, and this edition of How to Be a CEO was recorded live in front of an audience at the Evening Standards SME Expo at the end of May. I spoke to Ewan Blair. Yes, he's Tony's son, but he's also an extremely successful entrepreneur. The founder and CEO of Multiverse, he's built that company into a multinational giant valued last September at $875 million. It offers apprenticeships as an alternative to university, and it's working with huge names like Morgan Stanley, Microsoft, and Google. This is not your father's apprenticeship. These are in areas like data analysis and software engineering. Jobs that might be seen as requiring a degree, but should they? So Ian, like I said, I don't have a degree. You do, in fact, you've got two, I think. Yeah, but here we are, we're in the same place, we're in, in front of the same audience, same people are out there. To be fair, your name's on the poster and mine's not. Nobody's here to see me, which is very sad. But we are exactly in the same moment of time right now. Did you need a degree to be here? That actually, that question is something I've reflected on a lot. Um, yes, probably, because the graduate scheme I joined was called a graduate scheme you needed a degree to join it at Morgan Stanley and it was it was one of those things that almost immediately struck me right I did an undergraduate in ancient history I did a master's in international relations and then I was working on a graduate scheme in investment banking where those two degrees were absolutely useless in the workplace setting for the job I was trying to do right understanding financial markets I was doing corporate debt and derivatives advising UK companies on on how to approach fundraising and how to approach hedging and it was odd to me that when you looked around the group on that graduate scheme and it was quite stark right we were nearly all white pretty much all men all from the same small handful of universities and none of us had any divine right to be there and there are people with geography degrees history of art degrees philosophy degrees and it was a consequence of an obsession with this credential that assumed it conferred something upon you that meant you were more likely to be successful in a job. Now the fact is, and as I've seen since then, there's no correlation between academics and job performance, but this degree credential has still been used as a filtering mechanism. And actually, when you really boil it down, essentially, we've allowed the top jobs in the labor market 
and who takes those top jobs to be determined by a small group of academic institutions. And that's hugely problematic for society. It has helped embed inequality into the labor market. So there are very good reasons why when only 4% of people claiming free school meals go to a Russell Group University. Therefore, we should not be surprised when social mobility is poor in tech and professional services. Likewise, minority groups are consistently underrepresented and most tech courses at universities are filled with white men. So these are all problems. And they, they're even more stark when you think about the fact the world is changing so rapidly. The pandemic has accelerated all of that change. And yet if you walk onto a university campus, you basically see the same thing you saw in the 1960s. So there's been very little development. Yeah, I did look at some figures and I saw that 75% of people starting undergraduate degrees are white. So if there's a diversity problem in the workforce, which we know that there is, is that starting then right at the very beginning with education? It's absolutely a part of it. And actually, by the way, I think there was something like 117 black professors out of a faculty of maybe 15 to 20,000, right? So just at every level, there is a lack of representation and this creates real problems. Um, so, so that is absolutely part of it. But it's also, it's incumbent on all of us to say, why do we not provide choice to people when they are leaving school? That you have an academic group for people who want to study in an esoteric academic environment and have identified a subject they think they'll enjoy and an applied learning, more practical problem-solving focused group for people who have a sense of what job they want to do and want to learn in the workforce. And a lot of our time and effort has been spent on ensuring that that applied route is as well understood and as prestigious as the non-applied route. And it's much easier to do that when we can say today, partly thanks to the success we've had, um, you can be an apprentice without a degree now at Google, at Facebook, at Unilever, at Clifford Chance, uh, Morgan Stanley, uh, and very quickly that starts to filter down to schools and parents. If that's the case and you can start apprenticeships at all of those kinds of companies, and in these different areas of things like data analytics and software engineering, are universities going to have to change themselves then? I suspect they will, and I think universities are going through that period of change. I addressed a couple of years ago the annual conference of university vice chancellors in the UK, and I basically said, look, university's broken, there are serious problems, and this model's in trouble. And I was shocked at the extent to which they all agreed, right? There was no resistance in the room. They understand that. Just universities, especially those that have been around for centuries, find it very difficult to change. Um, and look, there is a question about the extent to which the education they provide should be linked to the labor market, or the extent to which it should be learning for learning's sake. And there is nothing wrong with that, provided it isn't presented as the only option. And look, the other thing is, everyone is going to have to learn and train and retrain multiple times. A shot of learning at the start of your career will not see you through what could be 50 years. 85% um, of the jobs people are doing by 2030, according to Dell, um, do not even exist today. And so we're going to have to make sure that we build this muscle of continuous learning and professional development. And it's important to say our apprenticeships are as available to people in the workforce looking to retrain as they are to those at the start of their careers without degrees. But isn't this going to have to take a bit of a cultural shift? Or maybe that's happening right now. I mean, you started Multiverse not that long ago. You clearly had success in persuading the companies to take us on board. How hard, though, is it to, I guess, change the culture to let young people 
I, I, I accept that you work with people throughout their career, but in that initial stage, to accept young people, in my case, my parents, it would have been you're doing an apprenticeship? What? You know, how, do, how, how are you kind of changing that culture, this idea that university is the best route to get a high-paying job? So I think in the end it comes down to the employers, the job opportunities on offer, and what outcomes look like. And so we spend a lot of time collecting data around that. As an example, 90% of the apprentices that we place stay long-term with their employers. Um, about 60% get a promotional pay increase while they're on program. They stay twice as long in their first job as graduates. So all of those things are, are pretty important. I remember probably back in 2020, one of our apprentices wrote a piece saying, how do we get apprenticeships to pass the middle class dinner party test, right? <laughs> Basically, if you've got a group of well-to-do parents sat around a table, they're talking about what their kids are doing and someone's bragging, my, my child's got a place at Oxford, you know, mine's going to Bristol, whatever it might be. And then someone says, my kid's doing an apprenticeship and everyone sort of is stunned into silence. That's a real issue. And actually, when you speak to parents and we spend a lot of time doing outreach with parents and schools and teachers, they care about what does this mean for my child's life prospects, right? What kind of job can they get into? So the minute you break that assumed link between the jobs and the mechanism or the route, right? It becomes much, much easier. And it's, you have to take that message to, to different communities. We've had, our, uh, for example, I remember one of our proudest moments, we have a, a, an elected president of our apprentice community and she went and addressed a group of Muslim mums at the local mosque. There were several hundred of them. And they all said, look, our, our aspiration has always been for our children to go to university. Why should we not be focusing on that? And she explained very clearly her personal experience, the job she was doing now at Facebook, the salary she was earning. And they were absolutely delighted, right? And in fact, um, she just recently, she's called Zaina Din, posted an Instagram story saying, this is why apprenticeships are great. She's 21 years old. She's now a marketer at TikTok. She owns her own house and she has an Audi parked in the drive. I mean, there aren't many 21 year olds who can say that. Let's take a break. And while I sweep the conference room floor for branded tote bags and stress toys, why don't you hit your follow button? and Maybe drop us a review too. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
you know, you were talking about uh, working people throughout their careers. I mean, retirement age is going to go up. You're talking about jobs that exist now that didn't exist 10 years ago. My job, I'm a podcast producer. It didn't exist when I left university. I didn't even go to university, but you know, when I left school. So the, that idea of reskilling throughout your career must be really important. And that's part of what you guys are doing. It is important, and especially because every, every company, large or small, is being affected by digital transformation. We know the pandemic has, has accelerated that trend. Everyone needs to have tech skills in their business, data skills, um, digital skills, and those are not being provided through the traditional education system. And also, people are going to have to transition in terms of the jobs they can do. And you've got a lot of companies where they've got brilliant people with great organizational knowledge, but realistically, if they can't learn a new skill or retrain, they probably won't have that job in a few years. And so it's, it's, it's incumbent on companies to say, how do we keep that talent, but still ensure that they can be doing things that are useful for us? So how does, is it a company that approaches you or an individual that approaches you about doing apprenticeships? How does that work? How do you work with industry? So it's a combination of the two things. And typically we start with the employer because in the end an apprenticeship is a job. It is full-time employment alongside full-time education. And so we will work with companies to have a look at where they can benefit from apprenticeships, what the use case is, what business pain they can solve. We'll work a lot as well with people on the diversity, equity and inclusion side because every company is focused on how they better now represent their customers. This is something that's gone from being an issue that was sort of outsourced to a small DEI function to now something that is a board level issue and a CEO level issue and startups and SMEs are increasingly focused on it from the earliest stages. And then we spend a lot of time doing engagement with schools, doing marketing campaigns. We get a huge amount of organic traffic from TikTok actually, which any um, SME or startup looking to increase their presence digitally should be exploring that. Uh, we do a bit on Instagram, on Snapchat, and we work with lots of charitable organizations and partnerships. And you're putting or creating a 30 million pound pot effectively for, for companies to come to and ask for funding for apprenticeships. Right. What, what are you doing with that? 5,000 over the next 12 months? Correct. That's the idea to get 5,000 apprenticeships. That is squarely aimed at small and medium sized enterprises because typically um, they don't necessarily have the financial wherewithal to pay for the cost of that training. So this will fully cover the cost of the training of those individuals. It's being sponsored by companies like uh, Deloitte, like Amazon and, and many others. And they will ensure that so long as you find an apprentice that you want to either take on or reskill within your organization, the costs of that training will be fully covered. And that's going to create, I expect you'll be hoping, the start of, of a new generation of people coming in who I guess I wonder, you know, we talked about that snobbery of the university. Is this about wiping that out? It's okay to not go to university. It's, it's partly about doing that for sure, because that, that is absolutely a battle that we face. And we just expanded into the US last year. We're delivering in nine cities in America now. And in America, 75% of the population go to college versus about 50% here who go to university. So it's even more deeply ingrained. Um, we're constantly doing that and, and sort of exploring that advocacy. The thing that helps is when you can say to an individual, you get the job you want with the skills you need in an area you care about, you get one-on-one -on -one coaching, you're paid a salary, and you're not accumulating any debt. It's such a compelling proposition. And I, I think that massively helps. And then you have to unpick all the structural imbalances and kind of 
the, the, the ways of thinking that are currently embedded on this. But it's, it's a sort of, you're addressing the two issues in tandem. Yeah, I guess one of the things that, that might not immediately come to mind, but it is important, is the social aspect of going to university. Maybe you're talking about that middle class diet, d- dinner, dinner table thing going on earlier. They, they may well have friends that they met at universities. University is a place where people can start to build their networks that will carry on through them through life. Can you replicate that just in an apprenticeship? So I I love this question because it's such an important part of what we do. And the fact is whether we like it or not, networks matter, they do. And so we created an apprentice community where there are meetups, socials, sports teams, societies, networking. We have 20 events a month now. There are international speakers, people from the world of business, politics, journalism, the media. And what that does, look, there's no reason an academic campus should have a monopoly on the idea of networks and community. You can do them really well through the workplace. So we've just spent a lot of time doing that. Apprentices benefit from it massively. I do remember we were probably two years into the journey when we had our first apprentice wedding, which I was absolutely <laughs> delighted Did about. you get an invite? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did, which is crazy. Yeah. So that sort of thing is working out, but I'm interested in that cultural shift between what you were doing here in the UK and now you're moving into the US. You've said that 75% of young people go into university there. Is that going to be harder to break from your own perspective, from your own company's point of view? Probably. And I think that's because as well, it's probably because the idea of going to college has been so embedded people even spend huge sums of money going to community colleges where the dropout rate is 50 percent just to then be given a shot at going to a proper college right or a a four-year college um but set against that is the fact that one and a half trillion dollars of student debt has bought very little in terms of return on investment Um, about half of graduates 10 years on are still earning what are classified as non-graduate salaries. And you could be accumulating $200,000 in debt. The other thing is, structurally in America, you have degree requirements screening out 70% of black Americans and 80% of Hispanic Americans. And the good news is, companies are now desperate to tap into those groups and show that they are offering opportunities and representing society better. So I think the the kind of macro trends that are taking place at the moment are sufficient to help overcome that. Along with just, the, the thing that's, one of the things I love about what we do is I've never had to speak to an audience and say, we need an alternative to university and have anyone push back on that idea. It's very difficult to argue with, right? Because it just, it, it, it makes sense. Not everyone learns in the same way and not everyone should be sourced from one pool of talent. So we have enough on our side to overcome that and we're raising lots of funding to go and address that and and we have a a good business that, that works well and provides these opportunities. That was Ewan Blair, the founder and CEO of Multiverse. For all the latest business news, analysis and advice, check out our business pages in the Evening Standard newspaper or go online to standard.co.uk. How to be a CEO is released first thing every Monday morning. Hit your follow button and join us next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health 
right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.